1: everyone, you're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and I am joined today by your Thursday host, Nurse Michelle. And we have recently introduced a brand new format where every Monday we will be devoting an entire episode to answering your questions and comments. We are bringing you the latest insights, experiences, and advice straight from the front lines of healthcare. We are going to have a rotating panel with all of your favorite nurse hosts along with some special guests. And together, we are here to answer your burning questions, address your comments, and provide the support you need on your healthcare journey. We've heard you loud and clear. You want more interactivity, more engagement, and we are here to deliver. This new format is all about you, our incredible listeners. We want to hear your stories, your challenges, and help you to find the solutions you're looking for. This is your chance to be a part of the conversation. Each episode, we are going to be featuring your questions and comments, tackling the topics that matter most to you. From career advice to self-care tips, we are here to empower and uplift our community. So send us your questions, share your experiences, and let us know what you want to discuss. Together, we are going to create a space where we can all learn, grow, and thrive. Remember, this isn't just about us sharing our knowledge. We want to hear from you. Your voice matters and your experiences are valuable. So let's kick off this exciting new chapter of Nurses Out Loud where the spotlight is on you. Send in those emails to nurses at americaoutloud.com. Nurse Michelle, let's get this party started. Thanks for coming on today.
0: I'm excited about finally getting to get everybody's questions answered because there are so many coming in and we want to make sure that we honor those requests. So I'll kick it off with Julie, who sends us a question, um, who says, What is the best, easiest action a retired nurse in Illinois can take to support promises to do no harm over profits? So she's out there, um, like so many that we run into, even the nursing students that are just now graduating. She's retired, but we have her saying, how can I actually support promises to do no harm over profits as a retired nurse? And obviously, this the answer applies, whatever we would probably both agree on, I'm sure, to those that are still working inside that feel like they have to continue working on the inside to continue to be able to do no harm over profits. So I'll give my first hit at it and you can then come in as well too. Yeah. I, When I was recently hospitalized up in Maine, I had a hematologist come in right before it was time for me to be discharged. And she had her mask on because anyone who may have heard the story may have found out that as soon as I came out of surgery Uh, COVID uh, outbreak happened on the floor I was going to. So they tried to mask me and tell me that I was going to have to be masked. And um, if you haven't heard that story, you should listen to it because it was pretty entertaining because Nurse Michelle definitely did not uh, comply. I told them I could help them get exemptions if they needed it themselves. But Ms. Nurse Michelle was definitely not going to be a compliant person. That was so funny, <laughs> yeah. It ended up being pretty funny because, I mean, they kept saying, oh, no, you'll have to. It's the policy. I'm like, oh, no, you don't understand. I- I'm yeah. not going to comply. So um, I did win the battle on that one. I did not have to comply. And um, they even tried to pull the stunt on, you know, your you've got to protect us when we come in the room because, you know, if you're not wearing a mask when we come in the room, I said, well, if I'm not mistaken, everybody here got the vaccine or you were fired. And did you not get the vaccine? And they said, yes. I said, okay, well, either it works or it didn't. Right. Yes. And I know what it, I know it didn't. And I know, you know, it didn't, but um, I'm not going to wear a mask for you. I'm sorry. You've got an N95 on cause you've been made to do it. But anyways, when it was time to discharge and the hematologist um, came in the room to talk to me, um, I said, I'm really sorry that you have to have that mask on while we're having this conversation because she did have an accent and it would have been nice to have been able to have seen her lips. And she says, well, you know, policies and paychecks, you know, if I want my paycheck, I follow the policies. And I said, well, actually, really, if you, a very intelligent physician, were to take the 170 studies that the Brownstone Institute has published easily accessible for you, you could take that science to the policymakers and tell them you are not going to comply because the science doesn't support it. And all you really have to do is just not comply and be a part of the solution and stop just doing it because you think that's what you have to do for your paycheck. And you could tell she was literally just taken aback, like, who says that? Mm -hmm. And it was a blue state. It was a very heavily vaccinated state with a governor that was putting a lot of pressure on them. But They weren't used to possibly hearing things like what we're talking about here on Nurses Out Loud. So I'm glad that I got to say that out loud because it does only take somebody with the knowledge to just go take it to the people who evidently don't have the knowledge or don't want to regard the science, as they call it, and do something about it. But, you know, she's saying, how can we support promises to do no harm over profits? In this case, I think this is a perfect example because the policy is for profit. Very likely there's probably going to be some kind of reward for some of these policies that maybe the NIH or the government is giving those hospitals. Oh, yes. And any of these nurses or medical staff that are reading the science themselves have to know that these masks do more harm wearing them for 12 hours to your health and are harmful to the patients who are, re- I was on oxygen when they were trying to put me in a mask. What, Since when does that make sense for me to have my airway covered up if I'm requiring oxygen because my narcotic you just gave me is depressing my oxygen? So just somebody coming in and fighting for me would have been a great way for a nurse to do no harm you know, over the policy specifically. And that's what's so
1: sad, Michelle. That's what's so sad is like they have these nurses in the hospitals. They're not advocating for the patients. And even the nurses who are labeled as, you know, patient advocates in the hospital, you know, they are not advocating for those patients. Those are hospital advocates and they are always looking out for the best interest of the facility. They are not looking out for the best interest of the patients. Uh, I think we can say that with, with certainty. Um, that they are strictly uh, looking out for hospitals and their best interest, not for the patient in the bed, which is really sad to me. Because as nurses, you know that is such a big part of what we do is advocating for our patients and advocating for autonomy and informed consent. I was talking with. Um, well, I don't want to get too far off of that off of the question, though. Um, but um, the the so the question being, what what can a nurse do? who is wanting to do no harm, um, and particularly a retired nurse. And I think that's the really beautiful thing about what we've built with Remnant Nursing and what we're creating and striving to create is um, we are coming completely outside of the system. Because so many of us have been in this system and trying to advocate for change and begging for change really for decades, right? All of these, this is not new to COVID. These circumstances are not unique. We've dealt with um, unsafe staffing ratios, uh, you know, low pay, all of the things we've, we've been, fighting these things for decades, and we can continue begging for change, but it's not coming. I got tired of doing that. So that is why I started, you know, Nurse Freedom Network and why I started Remnant Nursing, because we just want to, we just want to be done. We want to say, you know what, we're done here. We're not begging for change. It's not coming. And we're going to go ahead and forge our own path forward. And that's exactly what we're doing with remnant nursing. We have these nurses that are coming out. And even if they are retired and they've maybe not kept up with their license, um, we are under a PMA, a private membership association, and a 508C1A. And that structure is really designed to protect us in the eventual case where they are we we assume that they are coming for our license right Mm -hmm. so this is a way to protect us and to allow us to legally practice our profession under this properly formed pma um, so that if they do come after our licensure that we are still able to provide this service to our clients it is our constitutionally guaranteed right to private contract between our member and ourselves So that being said, you know, we have amazing nurses that have come in. So licensure is not an issue. If you're a retired nurse, you have the knowledge and and the wherewithal and all of that to provide these services to the clients. The licensure is not uh, a deal breaker. So you can come in and you can come in under our PMA and provide this service to our clients. And we're having so uh, many nurses that are have onboarded and are having such incredible results. I mean, I've been posting these testimonials on our um, social media and sending out emails about it. The nurses are so happy with the level of care that, uh, you know, directly aligns with their morals and their ethics. And we are really focusing on educating and empowering people with this information. These nurses in the hospitals, Michelle, they're not, a- they're not educating the patients. Yeah, it may even be
0: because there's such a shortage. I mean, the almost mm-hmm. the entire nurse staff that took care of me were travel nurses, and yes. my surgeon did reveal to me that there had been a mass exodus there. That they lost many good, staunch, long-standing doctors and nurses that had worked there for a long time in their community. They were they were people that were the community nurses and doctors driving in every day they were not brought in and paid mega salaries as travel nurses have to be to be brought into your community who don't have the same vested interest and I'm not trying to make us my daughter's all interested in making the money that's possible with travel nursing it's not that there's anything wrong with travel nursing it is a great opportunity it is a lucrative opportunity providing your housing and all that but reality is is the travel nurse who's in your hospital if you're like me unlucky enough to have a you know emergency surgery in another state I had no choice over what doctors and nurses I had I was in a state that had travel um, doctors and travel nurses and my hospitalist was a travel doctor so I mean he he didn't he wasn't as committed to that facility and that community being you know the staunchest best um, quickest provider best reports on how well that hospital performed etc right because he, he wasn't vested in that community. So in a way the profits are taking over the um, actual good for the patient. In that case, I had to wait longer for my meds had to wait. And I never, ever got a very, something that should have say, you know, protected me from a blood clot. They, they denied it on my legs the entire time, which is pneumatic um, stockings that keep squeezing your legs to keep you from having a blood clot after a major hip surgery. So I never got it because the ball just kept getting dropped. So patient care does suffer. And as as I was a retired nurse who was activated in 2020. So for you, I will end with this, Julie, Julie, that there is plenty for you that you can do because of the knowledge that she said. You can do it through remnant nursing. You can do it. Through the Nurse Freedom Network and let us help you find a way to be a difference in your community. So, thanks for that question.
1: Absolutely. And uh, just to add on to that, if you are interested, uh, certainly you can uh, visit our website. It's org or you can send us an email at info at nursefreedomnetwork.org. Send us your resume and your interest, and we're happy to connect with you on a call and tell you more about the unique opportunities that we offer. I've got another one here from Leora. Um, but you may
0: want to go with one before we go to her. So it's your choice to go forward.
1: Um, You can go ahead.
0: You can go ahead. Okay. So Leora, it doesn't tell me where you are, but it says, hi, Michelle. Thank you for your bravery and knowledge. You impart like so many others. I have become very leery of the medical industry as a whole. And in particular, all vaccines. I'm a healthy 55 year old woman. And the only medication I take is Gabapentin at night to help control hot flashes. I also briskly walk a little over two miles on most days and eat well. My doctor recently recommended that I take the shingles and the pneumonia vaccine. It is my understanding that since I had chickenpox as a child, I am more at risk for getting shingles. What is your opinion about both of these vaccines and any information resources you can point me to would be greatly appreciated. So first I'll let you know that we will definitely... Anything that we reference, we'll put in the show notes that you can click on. Um, that was a loaded question, wasn't it? We, <laughs> yes. I can only imagine what you were thinking
1: while I was reading that. <laughs> yeah, you probably said that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um there is so much. And and you say. know, let's, you know, just disclaimer, you know, we're not giving medical advice. Um we you know, the information we provide it's for educational purposes, you know, discuss yada yada with your medical provider and all of that. You know, we're not trying to give medical advice here, but um that said, you know if you're if you're asking me my personal opinion on whether or not you should get a pneumonia vaccine or a, a flu vaccine or a shingles mm-hmm. vaccine uh, my answer is going to be the same no matter what kind you can put whatever name after before mm-hmm. the word vaccine and my answer mm-hmm. is going to be the same uh, and that is no
0: Absolutely yeah, uh, not,
1: and i'm, I'm so done with you, all of them
0: exactly leora what we do believe is that the industry itself has proven itself unfaithful and not trustworthy. It has been exposed heavily with the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. And someone like myself that you maybe have chosen to write this to me for this reason, you may already be aware that I have been in the federal vaccine court for seven years with my daughter who got a chicken pox vaccine. So somebody was just recently asking me, Michelle, you know, my daughters are getting older. I They've never had chicken pox. I wish I could just let them get chicken pox naturally, but nobody has it because so many people are vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. The outbreaks aren't coming as common. And um, she says, if I knew somebody right now that had chicken pox, I would intentionally get them exposed. And the reason why is because we do know that if the older you are, when you get chicken pox, the yeah. more likely you are to have a, a hospital quality kind of complication with chicken pox. But if you have chicken pox, when it was ideally meant to be exposed to you was in your childhood and your body fights it all fine. And remember everyone, if your grandparents and parents were alive enough to be able to bring you into this world, they live for chickenpox, measles, mumps, rubella, yeah. all these things. Okay. But, They lived to tell about it. So don't let people scare you to death. So first thing I would say to you is the same as what um, Kimberly just said. All vaccines are up for question. The answer is no, unless you have actually done the research yourself. And you can go to Physicians for Informed Consent. I think it's .com and maybe .org. But you can just Google Physicians for Informed Consent. And I've got tons of other links I could give you that start you getting better educated. The You don't just walk into a doctor's office for a checkup and say, sure, come on in here with that needle and insert it into me that I haven't even read about. And I know that you may think, oh, well, I don't read about Tylenol and ibuprofen either. Well, perhaps you don't know that Tylenol is the leading reason for liver transplants all around exactly. the world because Tylenol is really that dangerous. Um, so there, there is a need to start reading more. You are my age, Leora. I'm 56 or 55, And you mentioned that you were taking gabapentin at night for hot flashes. So I was going to try and pull it up really quickly. um, And I could do that in a minute while Kimberly addresses something. But I wouldn't put gabapentin in me to save my life because um, when I got the package insert when my grandmother got put on it um, years ago, it was pages of adverse reactions that can happen to you for gabapentin. Hot flashes are not worth that powerful of a. Um, and there's okay, so many, there's, there's so, so many, many natural. natural. Yeah. So, we, so you probably thinking, Leora, okay, list some of those natural things. But what we would tell you on nurses out loud, we on America out loud dot news, we have so many physicians that are on here. And the um, healing, what is it called that Dr. Artis' show is? with uh, um, Healing of the Ages, I think. Healing for something. Healing for the Ages. But, but if you look up Dr. Artis, A-R-D-I-S, and if you look mm-hmm. up um, Dr. Schmidt, Janice Schmidt, they are providing solutions for things like hot flashes that you can have that you will never have to take that medication again. I would strongly advise you look at the package insert for gabapentin at all the potential mild, supposedly mild adverse reactions versus this moderate and severe ones. It's pretty hefty. So be very careful about that. I'm glad you walk every day. Um, Good for you for doing that. And because remember this, if you were to go to your door right now and open it, I would say to you, who's there? And your answer would be nobody's there. And I would say that's right, because nobody's coming to help you. It literally is up to you to read what you need to do, discover what you need to do. Obviously, you're listening to talk radio and places where people are doing what they can to educate you. But the pneumonia, I mean, if you follow Nurse Michelle on Instagram, I'm going to teach you how to deal with upper respiratory infections. There are ways to do that. You know, you can go to the Americaoutloud.shop. Loud shop. And you can get the CoFix RX from us. We, some several of us are also reps for Immune Mist, both of which are iodine products for your nose and throat. That at first sign of any kind of cold or snivel or sore throat, you immediately put the anti-infective, antiviral, proven effective iodine in your nose and throat, and do not let it get to the place where you get pneumonia. And if you do, there's treatment for pneumonia, and you should do it rapidly and quickly. But to go get a a pharmaceutical product just in case I might get pneumonia because I didn't take care of myself with an early cold is a no for me, a hard no. And when you mentioned that you were afraid because you had chickenpox as a kid that you would be more prone to shingles, um, there's some actual data that says it's the other way around. It's more likely with the chickenpox vaccine to likely contribute to you having shingles. So um, I won't go deep into that right now, but guess what? There's a treatment for shingles and it's called Valcyclovir. And if you have shingles, you will know it because I've had it. Yes, you will. I have had shingles. Very (laughs) painful. There's usually blisters. The hard part about mine is that there were no blisters Mm -hmm. and the doctors finally did the test and found out. And I had to take Valcyclovir to this day, 500 milligrams a day for 10 years, because once you've had it, um, it is on a nerve pathway. Yeah. And if I go without valcyclovir for about two weeks, I will start having significant nerve pain down that area of my leg, and my toes will actually start going numb. So, that is what, and if I, I, there's almost no side effects on the valcyclovir list of medications compared to gabapentin. So, some people get put on gabapentin just for numb toes and um, we don't want to do something like that. So if you get shingles, there is treatment for it and you can be educated about that instead of having to be, you think, Oh, I'm being proactive by giving myself a shot. No, you're taking a risk with um, so many other things that are inside that vaccine. Whereas we live in America, we are not in a third world country. There is access to medical care, and you have the benefit of knowing about the the brave doctors that are here on this platform that teach you um, alternative ways to take care of these things that aren't drug related. So
1: you know, I would Michelle, end with that. Yeah, and you know I, what you mentioned earlier about how uh, people think, well, we don't really we don't read about these things, we don't research these things, but they are coming in to the doctor under the assumption that these physicians have researched all this and that they have all of the latest and best information. And you know what? That is simply not true these doctors are not doing their own independent research. And, you know, when do you think that they would have time to? The way this system is designed, um, it, it has them kind of seeing patients about every seven minutes, you know, patients are being herded mm-hmm. in like cattle. Uh, they don't have time to do their own independent resor- research. And what happens is they are just implicitly trusting the same as so many of us did for so long that, you know, those in those higher positions or those that, you know, do, do this sort of work, um, that they're doing their due diligence and, 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 uh, it's not necessarily true. They're really just taking the recommendations from the CDC, the FDA, the AMA, all of that. And they're just, um, spoon feeding it to their patient population without really knowing anything about it firsthand. So it's really important to keep that in mind as well. Yes, it is.
0: So that was a great question, Leela. Thanks for bringing it to us. Hopefully a lot of people got some benefit out
1: of hearing our opinions about various parts of that question. Absolutely, and I think I had one question here, Um, and this is, and I know that you've covered this pretty extensively, um, Michelle, but uh, this is from Marissa, and it says, "Uh, hello, today I presented my orientation for nursing school at Golden West College campus in Huntington Beach, California. Oh, we know California is mm-hmm. <laughs> the COVID and influenza mandate is in full force. And I cannot continue the program without proof of vaccinations. They will not accept religious nor medical exemptions. I have worked so hard to get into nursing school just to be told that I cannot continue with the program based on their health requirements. Please help. And I will say, Michelle, and I know you've covered this extensively, but we get questions like this all the time yes. i cannot tell you people are reaching out it's, it's not just the students but their parents are reaching out um that and and i get it listen i can remember going through nursing school and working so incredibly hard i cannot imagine going through all of that and then being told um yeah your dream of being a nurse is, is over with in your fourth and final semester unless you get this job um, I can imagine so many of these students have complied, whether they wanted to or not, because it is, listen, nursing school is not for the faint of heart and it is not easy. It is a struggle. And I, I can't even imagine being put in that position, but. Um, something that we're setting up another thing that we're setting up with nurse freedom network and remnant nursing is a mentorship program that is going to be put in place so that we can work with these students directly not only advocating on their behalf with these schools because the requirements make absolutely no sense the shot does Mm -hmm. not prevent transmission so i mean that in and of itself makes it absolutely pointless and that's how you can tell it is about nothing more than control but but we're going to not only advocate directly for that student on their behalf, but we are also going to be teaching these young nursing students how to advocate for themselves. Because I mean, that is our, that's a, a main part of what we do is we advocate but if a nurse is not able to advocate for themselves they will not be able to advocate for anyone else so we're going to kind of walk them through that what it's what it means to be an advocate what it means to advocate for yourself and for your patients so that is something we're working on definitely reach out to us again remnantnursing.org if we can help you in that vein um but Michelle I know that you're working uh You've done a lot of work on this. So, what is your best recommendation right now for these nursing students?
0: Yeah, I'm amazed that this is still a battle, and the world just doesn't know. I've been doing what I can to expose that, and I just had on my show just last week, um, No College Mandates founder, who is addressing the thousand top school, well, the one thousand schools that USA report, U.S. reports actually looks at every year. So of those 1,000 schools, we're down to 75 that are still mandating. But just because that sounds really good, like, oh, only 75 are still mandating, um, the school that was here in my state was not one of those on the list as not mandating. It looks like it doesn't mandate because they get asked, do you provide religious exemptions? Well, the answer can be yes, but they may put your life through a living hell before you're going to get that exemption and, and bully you and pressure you. So the Medical College of Georgia is still a bit of a problem after battling with them to try and get exemptions for nursing students who did not want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. They finally get admitted into the program. Sc- classes have started. They're in for about two months. Clinicals are about to start. And all of a sudden, the school decides to send out, um, here, you've got to get your flu vaccine or you cannot attend your clinicals. So that wasn't part of the original um fight that they did in the summer during orientation period, all of a sudden they decided to write to these students, you may have gotten a religious exemption for your COVID vaccine, but you must have a medical exemption for the flu vaccine because that makes so much sense, right? It's like, you got to be kidding me. And I mean, I couldn't even believe that somebody that's considered this himself a medical institution, a medical program would even write a sentence like that. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, The COVID pandemic one that, you know, we shut down the whole world for, that one that we allowed you to get a religious exemption for, even though we put you through hell to do it, we gave it to you. But the flu that comes around every year that we don't shut down the whole world for, that one you have to have a medical exemption for. It's just
1: the absurdity of it is just it's absolutely absurd and that's never been a thing that has literally never been a thing because if you, you remember um pre, pre-covid every flu season it would come around and you know if you didn't get the flu shot it was not a big deal they just they would most institutions would require you to wear a mask through flu season that was it. Nobody went into uh, to all the trouble to say that you absolutely had to get this medical. And that's no minor. Or...
0: That's no minor deal either. To say I have to wear a mask twelve hours. From, oh no, it's not for
1: the whole season. And and that's why um, when COVID rolled around and we were wearing masks anyway. Like I used to get the flu shot, and I, I mostly because I didn't want to wear a mask. Um, and I really regret that now um, because I am really at the point. And, and again, I didn't come into the fight anti-vax. I really and truly didn't. I was pretty pro-vaccine my my entire life in nursing career, but it, but COVID really opened my eyes to so much. So it wasn't that, you know, I had had most of my vaccines um, and my, my child had all of his, you know. So it wasn't that I came in anti-vax, but it, it really opened my eyes. I, I was just questioning. It didn't make sense to me to have this new and experimental jab and, you know, just back a shot in every arm. It doesn't right. make any sense. It's bad medicine, you know. It's well, also, right?
0: I, also, I would add for this speaker, the person that asked this question, there's two posts that I made. You can look them up called "Courage Among Nursing Students: Precedents Against Mandates." That one will tell you about the precedent-setting case, Tom's versus Maricopa yes, County Community yes. College. Emily, and you can and, get and, uh, and just okay. add that link to your, anything you have to turn into the school. And then there's another one called America's Nursing Schools Forcing COVID Vaccines. And if you go to that particular article, you can uh, see my PDF that you can copy paste anything you want off of it to help you be able to answer the questions. Because um, I had a three page uh, questionnaire that students were being given that was absurd how many answers they had to, questions they had to answer about their religious beliefs about the vaccines. So it will help you know how to word it. I would recommend you looking at the way Nurse Michelle wrote it and then kind of you know tweaking it a little bit and making it your own so that they don't catch on that you're maybe several people are using it, but just tweak it. it but it will empower you to have the right words because the absurdity that you're even having to do this, you should just be able to say, no, it's my personal opinion not to say yes to this vaccine.
1: Right. And that's the thing, Michelle, is that I don't even believe in exemptions. Honestly, I don't, because I feel like the more that we um, ask for exemptions, the more we are giving these people the the false belief that they have some sort of authority over us because they absolutely mm-hmm. do not. It should be just a simple declination, you know, no, thank you. I do not want this drug injected into my body Period. End of story. And we move on. Um, so, so that I don't, if in that vein, I don't even like exemptions, but we will include all of the links that Michelle is referencing. We'll include everything in our show notes so that you can easily access that. Michelle's put a lot of work into, um, she's very thorough, has put a lot of work into making these resources available for all of you. So we will make sure to include those, um, We'll make sure to include those in the show notes. So, Michelle, if you'll send those over to me, we'll we'll be sure to get them in there, right? Yes. All right. Well, we'll, we have so much more to dig into. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24-7. Great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. Don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all of the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate including SEA Redox, which I can personally speak to seeing fantastic results with, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. Use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us.
0: It's time and this, is this is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
2: How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Co-Fix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? CoFix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Co-Fix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution,
1: So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org.
2: Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
1: Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. And wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gifts of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. If you're just joining us, we are doing our Monday, our special Monday Q and A with the nurses, and I am joined today by the incredible nurse Michelle. Nurse thank you, Nurse Michelle, thank you for being here again today. I'm glad to do it. It's so much fun to do it all together. It I've really got another is. question coming out
0: of this Georgia, where I am, and this is from Vincent, who worked in the Atlanta hospitals. And he's telling—he's really telling us the nightmare that really the American public needs to know is something that your citizens, your neighbors, your friends have actually experienced. Some people just write in to tell us, you know, this is the horrible thing that I have endured. And Vincent's story is one of those. And what he says is, I was forced into getting stuck with that worthless vaccine. I am a ICU RN with my MSN. So he has a master's. Um, He was COVID burned me out. So I got a job doing dialysis in the acute care setting in a major hospital in Atlanta, not to name them, but they built a 13 story glass building. (laughs) So he's giving it away for those who live in Georgia. Anyways, it was mandated by them that I would no longer be able to be a contract employee if I didn't get it. So I held out. Then my company who he um, gives some spelling of it that starts with R fres threatened to cancel our medical benefits unless we got the jab now so hear that his medical so he has a family he's a provide sole provider of a family and his medical benefits are being threatened if he does not get the jab and he goes on to say since I was working 50 to 60 hours a week so my wife could stay home with the kids I went and got the J and J I regret it and wish I had more of a backbone but felt threatened and didn't want something medically to happen, or worse, I get an infection from a patient and incur ungodly high medical bills. I'm just glad it was the one shot, but I have lost all faith in my profession, our healthcare system, and this country. I became very spiritual and now am a diehard Christian and am as big a patient advocate as I can be. I hate that this is where I'm at. Needless to say I'm back traveling in the ICU until the next pandemic hits sincerely a disgruntled RN so mm. that that's just a, a tragic story um sadly a, a lot of people did look at their J&J shots similarly to mm-hmm. Vincent and they said things like I'm just thankful I got the one because the people who just got the one never were told they had to get a booster or anything like that. Whereas the people who chose the Pfizer or Moderna kept being told that theirs were expiring. And I assure you it wasn't because the J and J didn't expire. Um, But sadly, the reality that us nurses have come to see is that the J and J is the only one that's been pulled for lethality. So we're talking about it. It's actually a blessing that you're still here. It's a blessing that you are not permanently harmed by that. Uh, vaccine because it was pulled because of strokes and uh, death associated to that vaccine. So I'm very thankful, Vincent, that that's not your case. It is um, a shock to me as I'm hearing these testimonies before Congress when the public officials are being asked questions and they dare to say, like the OSHA head said, we did not actually mandate the COVID-19 vaccine in 21." And you're like, what? And watching them lie Mm -hmm. before Congress, they basically say that what we actually did was give tell the employers that had more than 100 employees that you will have to get the COVID-19 vaccine for your employees or we
1: will fine you. Yeah. So in other words, you did mandate it. Yeah, exactly. They're they're strong arming everybody. They were strong arming uh, all of the American people. And, you know, that's why we saw when the mandates first came down, it didn't hit the facility. I worked at a private, I worked for HCA, which is, uh, you know, Hospital Corporation of America, largest for profit corporation um, hospitals in the United States. And so it didn't immediately hit my facility. You, if you notice, Michelle, it started hitting those um, not-for-profit hospitals, those types of facilities, the, the ones that really, not that they don't all rely on some form of federal dollars, but the ones that um, are getting their funding from the federal government, that's where it hit first. And I, a hospital that I used to work at Um, up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, that was one of the first hospitals and facilities that I saw these mandates coming down. And it was completely shameful to watch what they were doing. But as you as, um, disgruntled RN mentioned that they were, um, threatening them with loss of their benefits. We saw that happen with, um, uh, nurse Danielle Baker, who you may recall, I've had her on my show. I think you may have had her on as well, Michelle. Um, and she's spoken at many of our events that, um, they that's how she was coerced she goes by the handle coerced nurse and she was coerced because they were threatening to take away her medical benefits and this is how uh they care for their family right so yeah and if you actually have
0: not heard the coerced nurse interview that kimberly did or ever met her i think she actually even has a website called the coerced nurse when you see her if you were to see her in a grocery store you would think oh this woman must have been born with handicaps And she's on a walker scooting around because she's always been handicapped. And I I say this to you, audience, because I'm now the girl walking into church today and on the public street yesterday um, and at a wedding recently with the walker. And so people do look at people that it doesn't match, like it doesn't compute. Why is this woman in this pretty dress? Because I don't look sick. I I look fine, right? Right. But I'm walking with a walker, but yet I don't have a cast on. So there's all these assumptions that are made about me. Um, and you can see people looking and kind of wondering if they don't know me. Why is this woman that looks fine walking with a walker? Um, she also is a young woman that's in her 40s, if I'm not mistaken, who used to do, you know, um, roughneck camping. I mean, hiking, just a very, very young yeah, woman. Yeah. Yeah. So she does not look like who she actually is right now. She looks like a handicapped person, has to have probably a handicapped sticker like I have to have right now. And there's an assumption, I remember saying to her that we really need you to have a card or a paper or a T-shirt on that says as you're in line at grocery store or in public that says wondering why I'm handicapped. It's because of the COVID-19 vaccine or anything yeah. that says something similar with a phone number that says, have you been harmed by the vaccine as well? Contact this number that we need that kind of um cards or some kind of identifying markers put on some of these people, not because we want to label you, but because people make the wrong assumption about someone that's walking around handicapped. Or, and, and here we have Vincent who has a problem that isn't visible. He feels, um, discouragement. I mean, there's people who've had significant depression over this matter. The amount of people that reach out to Kimberly as remnant nursing and myself as nurse Michelle, who are are in peril because of their body failing them with major complications after this COVID-19 vaccine, they are depressed. They are discouraged. They are getting gaslit by their physicians. They're not getting the kind of proper treatment that they need. And They are people who now another useless thing could happen to them that somebody says, well, now you're depressed. So now you need the antidepressants when actually they don't have chemical depression. They have situational depression that they have to wake up every single day, not able to bathe anymore, or maybe having to wear a diaper because they cannot contain their bowels or uh, urine anymore, or they can't walk anymore. That is a discouraging place to find yourself. And all the bills are on them. Nobody's helping them pay the bills. So unless they get fortunate enough to find the react 19 people and they may qualify for getting help, because the countermeasures injury compensation program, if I'm not mistaken, is only paid out $20,000 or some very, very small amount to people that are vaccine injured when we have so many millions of people that are seriously injured. So we're dealing with a population that are going to be misunderstood. They're going to be discouraged. They're handicapped. They have massive medical bills. And he's and he's he was actually trying to protect himself and his family from becoming a medical bill person, and instead, you know, succumb to the uh, vaccine. But he also ended with something that was very positive. That I think is true for this entire movement is spiritual strength has come for him out of this, that he is really drawn into the Lord. And as a Christian, Jesus Christ, drawn into his religion. And he has now become this diehard um, warrior out there to advocate for patience. So the Lord does have a way, and it's his word that says it, that he, that all things are done that can be used for our good. So it's not that all good things happen to us. Right. But it's like, taking the lemons that happen and and turning it into lemonade, but better than lemonade, the best lemonade ever, that you are now going to be turned into a person that's going to never, Vincent will never again be coerced and and the coerced nurse will never again be coerced. And she'll make sure everybody within her audible range doesn't feel like they should be coerced either. So as hard as it is that they've had to suffer for this, I'm thankful for the voice that they are now, aren't you?
1: oh absolutely i mean there is purpose in the pain that so many are going through um and when that that passion and purpose meet one another there's really no um stopping what's to come so i think that you know i would love to see vincent vincent reach out reach out to me we'd love to have you on our team that's what we want is we want warriors who are ready to stand um in the battle and stand in the gap for patients and for our colleagues who um, are continuing to, to be um, held under these nonsensical mandates. They do not make any sense. I don't know how many ways I can say that. It makes no sense to mandate something that does not prevent transmission. It does not do anything <laughs> at all. It doesn't, you know what It was really funny and whatever, a lot of people didn't realize early on, Michelle, is that, that they're very deceptive with their language, right? They would say things like the vaccine, Prevents COVID-19. Well, COVID-19 is not the infection. The infection is SARS-CoV-2. The COVID-19 was the manifestation of symptoms, right? So they were, what they were saying essentially was like, it may bring a, a, it might, it won't stop the infection. You'll still get that, but it might not manifest into this myriad of symptoms, which that didn't even prove to be true. But you can see how deceptive they are with their wording. And the same way that they would uh, be deceitful about classifying a person vaccinated or unvaccinated because you were not considered fully vaccinated until I think it was two weeks following your second second shot. So what happened was people would be getting the shots, you know, and then they would get COVID despite it, right? And probably from it, (laughs) not just despite it, but probably from it. Um, Then they would get sick, they would go into the hospital, they would probably be put on the remdesivir ventilator death protocol, um, and then they are being classified as an unvaccinated death, and that's where you got all of that ridiculous narrative of the pandemic of the unvaccinated, which was simply not true.
0: Yes, for those out there that were part of the working community in the the hospitals during the COVID pandemic... please know that we need to hear from you, that yeah. you there's things that you know that we need you to come and testify on. And one, one of those things is that First of all, was your hospital actually calculating and taking down the information on every single patient? Were you vaccinated, which let me see your vaccine card. Let me see what number you got. How recently did you get it? Oh, you have had your first one and you just got COVID three days later. Or, oh, you got your second one and you got it five days later. Do you know that your hospital was actually documenting that patient as an unvaccinated patient mm-hmm. because they were not 14 days, at, really 15 days? It wouldn't be till 15 days after your second shot that you were counted as a vaccinated person yeah. so the misleading information that was going on and i would encourage any nurse that's listening to us even though we we are anti the whole covid vaccine thing that went down i believe that you all should make sure in your nurses notes you are asking each and every one of your patients: Did you get the COVID nineteen vaccine? Do you did you um, get how long ago? How many boosters have you gotten?
1: Do you yeah, nobody's asking that. They're yeah. not asking. You,
0: and if they have their card on them, just be very matter of fact in the way that you're doing your initial assessment with your patient and get it inside of their record because if they end up being harmed or if they're even in there for something that actually is a problem that you don't even realize it may be affiliated with the vaccine, Mm -hmm. get the thing documented in their records so that you could actually say, Oh my gosh, this patient just had it two days ago or one day ago. And here they're presenting with what she's saying is new onset neurological (laughs) symptoms, Mm -hmm. because if you're not, how in the world can we be in a post pandemic era with a, a COVID, the first federal mandate of a vaccine? That ha- happens to our your in your lifetime, and you're a medical professional that is not documenting that in every single note you're getting.
1: Exactly. And I, listen, when I was um doing tell, I had already left the bedside, uh, but I was doing telephone triage and the amount of phone calls, Michelle, that I would get, and there was no, they were not having us document this stuff, but I made sure that I put it in every communication and every note, because I would get so many of these young, mostly young uh, health, otherwise healthy males, typically between the ages of 18 and 35 that were calling in with um, these cardiac symptoms, like they thought they were having heart attacks. And it was, I mean, multiple calls. And this is what, it really ended up leading to me leaving my position. And I said this to the two supervisors. When I, when I resigned from my position, I got a, f- a phone call from two of my uh, nursing supervisors that wanted to discuss, because I put in my letter of resignation how uh, morally compromised I felt that they wanted me to call this vaccine safe and effective. Like they literally gave us a script that said that to answer that question, is it safe? But yes, it's safe and effective. And I told them I felt morally compromised, and I said to them on that phone call, I said, don't you hear, you hear these phone calls, they are being recorded and I know you listen to them, are you not hearing all of these people that are calling in with these, what, these are very alarming things within days, sometimes within days and weeks of the COVID vaccine and we're not paying attention to it i made sure i was keeping my own data and i was making sure that i i put that into every single communication that we we got was that you know that yes they got the vaccine this is when they got it and this this is when their symptoms began because it's so important to have that documented and let's not forget michelle that as nurses we are mandatory reporters to VAERS. And nobody, and that's a whole other thing we can get into. And, you know, maybe we bring Ashley Grog on as one of our guest hosts, who's just amazing. She heads up the VAERS project. So many nurses don't even know what VAERS is. They don't understand that they're, they are mandatory reporters. And, um, You know all of these things whether or not we're not saying it's related or it's not related all we're saying is they had a vaccine two days ago and now they have all of these new onset neurological conditions that you are mandated to report that to theirs but theirs is only capturing one percent of that data yeah
0: i think we also have a population when i watch a lot of nurses accounts online that are social media influencers as well that are let's say on the other side of the argument and their messages completely different from mine. There is a sense of pride or arrogance Mm -hmm. that does walk around in the medical community that, you know, these stupid patients, these patients are so dumb. Wake up a medical community. The patient knows better than you what's normal and not normal for their body. And if they tell you, something about themselves that they say has never happened before, it really is your obligation to believe them. You're not actually a jury that's testifying before a court to discern whether or not they're lying or not. If they, Whatever they report to you, you need to be documenting and putting in good notes, writing good notes about these patients, just like Kimberly just reviewed. But we've got to start listening to what they have to say and trusting the parents of a child. My son was walking. He was crawling. He was speaking pediatricians and he Mm -hmm. isn't anymore. He has stopped doing it. And interestingly enough, the way that the criteria is for things like autism, um, It By the time they're saying that your kid could be staring off and having that glazed over look. A parent just said this to me the other day. They said, my twins both got vaccinated the same day, the same time, all the same vaccines, but only one of them ended up uh, with autism diagnosis. So they got injected the same thing. And it's sad, medical community that I would have to explain this because it seems so obvious that we are all autonomous, unique individuals, even twins could have a unique system that says I don't tolerate something because while I was in utero, perhaps my twin got all of something that I didn't Mm -hmm. get. So maybe I'm compromised. Maybe I'm less likely to have a strong immune system. Maybe I'm going to react more poorly. It's not that your twin didn't have any harm done from that same vaccine. It's just not the same kind of visible harm to you yet. You may not Mm -hmm. see it. Maybe that child hasn't gotten to school yet. You don't know what kind of learning disability is going to show itself. But the reality is, is that We are dismissing the testimonies of our patients. And I think in the name of arrogance, like you think you're so smart that what they just Mm -hmm. said is somehow not worthy of being documented.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. I'm I'm so saddened by the state of the nursing profession and we see that a lot when we, we go into these nursing groups and yet like you said that just that arrogance. But listen, you know, don't ever let I don't care who it is, a physician, a nurse, a, any type of healthcare professional, do not let them uh, gaslight and bully you into thinking you cannot be an active participant in your own health care. That is absolutely ridiculous. That is insane if you have them doing things like that you need to find a new doctor immediately immediately that don't ever let anyone uh, make you feel less than or that you're stupid or that you're ignorant for asking questions you should be an active participant in your health care we are merely here to be guides that is all and i think that is going to be all the time that we have for today my friends michelle thank you so much for being here and we're going to be back here Um, We are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. And remember, we will be back every Monday with this special Q&A episode. But you can also catch our encores at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses. and This is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. We are in a war for truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness.
0: It's time.